and welcome to episode 4 of Horror 4H. Now that I've typed and said that out loud, I feel like I should be doing something special since, you know, 4H, 4th episode. No? Nothing? Yeah, you're probably right. Alright, to all my returning listeners, I'm sorry you have nothing better to do than to listen to me riff for the next 40 to 50 minutes. And to all my new listeners, I'm sorry I didn't say hi to you first because now you're probably wondering what you've gotten yourself into. So last week I did the social media stuff at the beginning, and I think I'm going to try to do that again this week. I like how it feels more. So you can find me at Horror4H on Twitter, you can email me at Horror4HGmail.com, and it's possible to find me on Facebook now if you search for Horror4H on there as well, unless I've somehow screwed that up, which is totally possible. And if I have screwed it up, then hey, let me know on Twitter or email. Yeah. You can also find this podcast on iTunes if you're not already listening to me on there, or SoundCloud if you're not already listening to me on there. However you're listening to me, though, be sure to like, give me a high rating, follow me, share me, all that good shit. While I'm not making any money off this yet, or maybe ever, spreading the word means more people listening and giving feedback, which means I'm more excited to do this every week and more likely to continue. So if you like listening to me rant about stupidity and horror flicks, spread the word. And if all you do is just listen, though, that's more than enough, and it is deeply appreciated. Speaking of deep, subtle, right? If you have deep pockets, right? I know, that was solid. Or if you just have a few extra bucks lying around and have thought of no better way to get rid of it, head on over to the Patreon page. Again, just look up Horror4H on there and donate. Any and every little bit helps, as this week will be the last week uh, the first episode is up on SoundCloud, as I'm running out of free storage space. Donating will go straight towards the goal of me upgrading my account with them so I can maintain unlimited storage space. This will ensure you can go back and listen to any old episode you want at any point in time. So if you find something particularly funny and you want to tell your friends or whoever about that episode, they can go back and listen to it easily. SoundCloud also tells me interesting stats about my listeners, and an upgraded account will give me more interesting, detailed information so I can interact with you better. For instance, most of you listening are in the United States. Now that isn't much of a surprise to me. But I'm based in the small little town in Illinois, and while most of my friends and family are fairly close by, I do have a few friends spread out across the U.S., and while they've spread the word a little bit, there are some stats that have me a little baffled. Specifically, all of you listening from the San Francisco area. Hi! Why are you here? I'm not complaining, but I'm genuinely curious as to how you found me. Random suggestions by algorithms? Is there a solid horror fan presence in San Francisco? Shoot me a tweet. Shoot me an email. Let me know how you found me. Uh, and also now I'm expecting my brother to send me a text message when he listens to this saying, I found out about you when mom and dad broke it to me. I was no longer going to be an only child. But really, reach out. Let me know what you like or hate about the show. Any suggestions you have. I do this for me, but I also do it because I hope some of you are getting some laughs out of it. So, okay, enough of all that. Time for today's riffing. Sit back and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Chopping Mall, 1986. We open to a jewelry store, dramatic music, and some guy unceremoniously breaking the window of said store with a gun to gather up all the goods. Surely he won't get away with such a heinous crime. Oh good, Tank Treads McGee tells him to stop right there before chasing him down to shoot him with a taser. This is after the brilliant criminal fires his weapon at the tiny robot which has no effect, Probably because it's a starter pistol, but never let facts get in the way of good story. I could go super political right now, but I won't. Though, if you want me to, stay tuned, as eventually I'll be the co-host of another podcast where a buddy of mine, hey Josh, and I will 100% get political, and also talk about sandwiches. Anyways, back to the crime in progress. Oh, it wasn't an actual crime. It was just a promotional video for Secure Tronics. Yeah. 
because back in the 80s, you didn't need to be inventive when coming up with names. We see Dr. Stan Simon gets on a small stage to promote... Wait a minute. No, he's showing off three robots called the Protector 101s, and he says they're going to be effective in one week tonight at closing, so why did we just watch a video about them? Like, they, they're already hired. Like, these guys, they, they already bought the robots, and he's giving a promotional video about something they already purchased. When you get hired for a job, you don't sit down with the boss and go, here's a video of me simulating doing the job you've already hired me for. Weird. Two audience members talk about the look of the robots and how one of them has an unpleasantly ethnic quality. They're literally identical robots that make the Protectron robots from Fallout 4 look like gods. And Anyways, we're told the robots don't kill people, just detain them. And the guy who doesn't understand robots can't be ethnic says, That guy looked pretty dead to me. Well, smarty pants, that was a fucking movie, so clearly he wasn't, but okay, whatever. Dr. Simon says... <laughs> Dr. Simon says... Eh, right? No? Nothing? Alright, well, I think I'm funny. That guy was just neutralized. And I don't want to contradict the good doctor, but dead technically is neutralized. Just saying. After they uh, neutralize these people, they alert the police via computer on the roof. How do they quote-unquote neutralize these criminals? Sleep darts is one way. Also, they don't work in the stores, and somehow that makes them safer. In a way that only scriptwriters understand. They just work in the mall proper. Okay. That... Whatever. Yeah. And they have lasers that can cut through any debris. Yes, let's give our non-lethal robots lasers that can cut through anything. Sure. Next up, we have wiffle ball bats with metal spikes covered in feces. Because that also makes sense. That's not really in the movie. That's uh, hyperbole. Anyway. So there's also some steel doors that they've installed that shut tight that nothing can get through. That's totally not going to come into play. Although now I'm kind of curious whether or not the robot lasers that can cut through anything can cut through the steel doors that nothing can get through. By the way, we don't get an answer to that. That is one of the many unanswered questions that this movie leaves us with. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But how can these robots know who's good or bad? Huh? An ID badge. I bet that won't ever be a pro- Wait a minute. This seems vaguely familiar. Let me, let me check something. Chopping Mall came out in 1986. Robocop came out in 1987. Holy shit. I think Robocop ripped off Chopping Mall. Someone get a lawyer on the phone. And then cut me in for, say, I don't know, 2% of the settlement? That sounds fair. Well, uh, that's the introduction. So now we know that Park Plaza is the safest mall ever, and quote-unquote, nothing can go wrong. Oh, hey, look, an unsinkable ship. But that won't sink. So I gotta say, the little montage showing off the 80s mall is actually pretty hilarious and spot-on, including the horrible techno music, neon lights, and that kid skateboarding past the scantily clad bikini model. Wait, what? I don't remember those in the mall in the 80s. Eh, I wasn't alive for most of the 80s. About half of it, I was a kid. Eh. Maybe, maybe the bikini model craze didn't, uh, you know, kind of died out after 86, and so I just don't remember it. But anyways, oh hey, I think we're being introduced to the main characters. Yep, I recognize her. That is Kelly Maroney. She was in my favorite Christmas movie of all time, Night of the Comet. Here, she plays a pizza waitress named Allison. I see some bad horror movie posters on the wall of this pizza joint, Galaxy of Terror, and a few others. Wait a minute. Oh, and this movie was written by Julie Corman wife of director Roger Corman, who directed numerous cult classic horror movies like Galaxy of Terror. Nice touch. Allison's waitress buddy, Susie, reminds her about how later, after they close, it's going to be good times to the max. 
Yeah, don't you guys all miss the 80s lingo? It was radical, dudes. Totally tubular. Oh, God, we really did talk like that, didn't we? Wow. So the guy who runs the pizza joint, whose name we don't catch, is probably even more of a disgusting pig than Mr. Panucci from Panucci's Pizza, and also way more of an Italian stereotype, but I don't think he's a major part of the movie. I just wanted an excuse to throw in a solid Futurama reference, and knowing how much those writers loved pulling from everywhere, I wouldn't actually be surprised if they did in fact watch a shitload of 80s horror before writing some of the show. Outside shot of lightning, which hits the roof of the mall on some electrical equipment multiple times. Hold up. Who wrote The Chilling? Hmm, let me see. Nope, it was not Julie Corman. But I'm seeing a theme in 80s movies popping up. Lightning plus technology equals murder! Calling it right now, 10 to 1 odds, someone gets thrown through a fucking window. Defenestration. Though, oddly enough, there was none of that in Slumber Party Massacre. So, I don't know, let's hope it happens at least twice in this movie to make up for, right? So, now we have a technician who's smoking while doing a crossword because uh, that's what you did in the 80s, apparently. Lightning hits a third time. Uh, you know, well, he was doing a crossword puzzle. Now that the lightning hit the third time, there's an alarm going off, and he seems rather unconcerned with lightning hitting the place... Oh, lightning hit the place a fourth time. But the alarm goes off, like, turns off, after he literally just, like, fidgets with a few knobs, like, just hits some random stuff. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at all, just, I'm gonna hit random buttons and see if that works. And it does, which... Great, but probably not. So it's probably all totally okay. You know, at least enough now that he can just start looking at a porno mag instead of the crossword. Okay, if any of you guys listening right now are security guards or technicians that worked in the 80s, I'm curious. Is this portrayal even remotely accurate? Were you guys in the 80s just like, well, I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on shit, but it's also been at least 10 minutes since I've seen someone naked? Because this is a trope that I see all the time, and I'm curious if it's based in fact or if this is just one of those random things that one screenwriter decided to throw in and everybody else picked up on for no reason. So surprise, he doesn't notice the robot turned itself on before it jams its robot claw. Why the fuck do they have robot claws? Through the magazine and into his neck. So first death, not even ten minutes in. But he wasn't really chopped, you know, so kind of seems a misnomer. You know, I bet no one gets chopped to death in this movie. Sad face, yeah. More lightning hits them all. That, yep, okay. We already have met two of the female leads, so time to meet the unappealing male ones. We have a nerdy guy whose name is Ferdy. Yeah, no, wait, did I type that right? Yeah, no, it's not Freddy, it is Ferdy. Wow, okay. That, that's a name. So then the jock with a literal square face. Like, his face is actually more rectangular than round. He's not quite giving Robert Zardoz a run for his money, but he's not, like, as far off as he would like. And I don't think his head would fit through a round hole, you know? Uh, his name is Brennan, and the middle guy, middle ground guy here, Greg, who reminds them all of the basic plot point. Uh, I mean, the stakes, that is. Not, not the plot, the stakes. That if the boss finds out that they're staying overnight in the mall, then it's, the, it's all their asses on the line. So, okay, I'm calling it right now. Brennan's gonna die. Greg, yeah, he's gonna die. And Ferdy is going to be wounded, but likely won't die... Though if he does, it will be an attempt to save at least one of the girls. Calling that right now. Now, full disclosure, I have actually seen this movie before, but I think I saw it about three or four years ago, and I only watched it once, and it was probably late at night whenever I'd already taken sleeping medication, so I don't really remember it. This is full-on, I'm writing all these notes, I'm, I'm literally writing all this as I watch it for the first time, so that's my call on the movie right there. Burning Dead, Greg Dead, Ferdy, 
at least wounded trying to save one of the girls, probably doesn't die. Okay, Brennan brought the beer, surprise there, and the other two, who we haven't met yet, Rick and Linda, are going to bring the food. But who's going to bring the death? Probably the robots, actually. So speaking of Rick and Linda, they own a car service and are now on the side of the road because their car doesn't work. Good omens all around. Rick can't figure it out, but Linda can. Go Linda. Rick really doesn't want to do the whole spend the night at the mall thing, but Linda pulls out a pair of sexy underwear and is like, I don't know, then that means I bought these for nothing. And Rick's like, well, okay, now I'm useless as a human being because sex. Which, okay, yeah, that's kind of accurate sometimes. Brennan walks up behind some random woman and grabs her chest. No, wait, okay, sorry, I guess he knows her. Maybe, hopefully. Yep, okay, they're dating. Yeah, all right, so he's not quite as much of a piece of shit as I thought. All right, and that means now we've met his girlfriend, Leslie. So cut to Susie and Allison in the employee shower area with half-naked women walking around. Wait, what the fuck? What? Okay, so people these days asking for a higher minimum wage is criminal, but in the 80s, shitty minimum wage mall employees got a shower room? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I lied. Some of the women are actually completely naked. So Susie has come to... Uh, Susie has to really convince Allison to stick around and have this whole after-hours party because it's been a tough first week. Allison says she better not have to see any more pizza, though. I bet she will. And that she feels like she'll regret this in the morning, which if she lives, she probably will. But I bet she'll live. Allison's gonna live. I'm calling that, too. So Allison and Ferdy are being set up on a blind date, and neither seem too happy about it. But I bet they'll get along just swimmingly, you know? And more random fucking lightning. All right. This, this, again, this seems to be a common theme in the 80s. Nobody knows how to build lightning rods onto buildings. Did we only figure that out in the 90s? I'm not going to Google the building codes, but I'm pretty sure lightning rods have been around for a while. New technician shows up, and wait, the other guy isn't there. So these murder bots are smart enough to have cleaned up the murder scene. I have a feeling I'm going to be questioning this later on. And new technician doesn't notice the robots turning on and giving knowing laser glances to each other. Oh wait, nope, he notices the sound of one of them clacking its claw which it literally only does to fuck with them. So they're not only smart enough to clean up a crime scene, they're also stupid enough to almost get caught right off the bat. Okie dokie. Technician is saved by a phone call, though. Saved by the bell, if you will. Shut up, that was clever, and you know it. Technician is reading a book, and the book is They Came From Outer Space, 12 Classic Science Fiction Tales That Become Major Motion Pictures. So... He really should know better than to turn his back on weird robots making weird noises. Yep, grappling hook to the back of his neck, and he's dead. Two deaths in, neither chopped, and I really, I feel cheated, and I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna feel very cheated by the end of this, aren't I? Just no, no chopping deaths at all, I'm assuming. Also, um, why the fuck did the robot have a grappling hook? Oh well, the party is now in full swing, and I counted at least a half dozen empty beer cans already, and a few handles of booze that are somewhat empty, so toss-up currently between killer robots ending them or alcohol poisoning. I don't know. 50-50. 80s music is playing in the background, and white people bad dancing. Good God. I think the dancing is the scariest part of this movie. It is bad. So Allison and Ferdy get introduced with full-on piano love theme and her being spun around in a chair. They should have just gone full soap opera and smeared some Vaseline on the lenses. Missed opportunity right there. They should have done that. They did not. Protector 1 going online. Level 1. 
Like, the robot says that out loud, and I want to know who he's talking to. He's the only robot slash person slash whatever around, and he's announcing this presence. Weird-ass robots. So, he sees the party, but keeps going by. uh, Okay. Whatever. Protector 2 going online. Level 2. Protector 3. You get the point. So, there's three of them. But I'm still curious as to why these guys are announcing their every move. They're obviously, you know, they know to be quiet when they need to be. So, I don't know. I guess this really shouldn't bother me this much, but it's it's just, it's going to. So, since it bothers me, it has to bother you now. That's that's kind of how this whole process works. So, cut back to the party, and everyone, everyone cuddling up on couches, beds, etc. Because the party is taking place in a furniture store. But more importantly, I'm noticing another trend here that I've seen in multiple other movies, especially 80s horror movies. People had no problem fucking in the same room as a group of their friends. And, you know, part of me is just like, that's a little weird. And the other part of me is like, I mean, hey, whatever. I don't care. That's fine. It's just kind of an odd trend that seemed to peak in the 80s and then vanish into the night. Like, you know, mutant cryo zombies or a magic hatchet to the face. Each couple is having some sort of fun sexual encounter until we get to Allison and Ferdy, who are watching a bad old monster movie. Which, honestly... That sounds like fun, too. I mean, seriously, sex and or bad horror? Sign me the fuck up. I mean, hey, I'm watching bad horror right now, but I'm not having sex right now, which sucks for me, but it's probably good for you, seeing as how I'm sure that'd be awkward to hear me do a podcast while having sex. Though if anyone wants to help me out with that, I'd be up for it. Get it? Up for it? For trying to record an episode while having sex. I mean, even if the podcast sucks... Hey, I'm having sex, so, you know, I win. But anyways, awkward conversation over, oh god, you're the king, oh god, oh god, yes, and Alistair astutely says, they're having a nice time. Why, yes, yes they are. Good job. They have a moment, and Allison rips off Ferdy's glasses to make out with him, and frankly, don't do that. He needs those to see. What if he tries to kiss you on the nose or something now? Like, that that's on you, Allison. Don't rip off his glasses. So, all right. Oh, hey, an angry janitor we haven't seen yet. And janitor buddies chugging beer while walking around the mall before they lock everything up. That's, all right, a little weird. But Uh-oh, murder bot number something rolls up behind the janitor and knocks over his bucket full of dirty water. And, wait a minute. Why did he have a bucket of dirty water? Like, he's got a mop bucket right there, too. So... He's got a, a a metal bucket full of dirty water and a mop bucket, and I don't know why he has both. Like, I'm guessing the metal bucket's just there because the shitty robot couldn't knock over a regular mop bucket. I don't know. These are questions I need answer to, but, you know, we'll sadly never get. So, the robot needs to see his ID badge, but, you know, I bet this won't result in him dying at all. So, oh, oh, look at that. I was wrong. Yeah. Taser dart goes wide, but lands in the water that was spilled at the janitor's feet, so of course, he gets electrocuted to death by that taser, and it says, oh my god, it says, thank you, have a nice day, it's funny, because, you know, the guy can't have a nice day, because he just got killed, so, back to Leslie needing a cigarette, and refuses to even kiss Brennan until she gets her specific brand, which means he has to head out into the mall proper to go to a vending machine to get it, also, wait a minute, let's go back. So they were planning this whole party after hours, so the boss and no one else would find out. But literally the whole storefront is glass, and they're fucking right there in the store on the display furniture. They even made a note of earlier that they have clean sheets ready to go. And the janitors just said they weren't going to be leaving the mall for another 10 minutes. They did not think this shit through at all. They didn't hide. 
They just sat in that store. If the janitors had walked by at any moment, whole party over, murder fest, done. So I don't know if this is actually good for us or bad for us. Kind of depends on how much you like or hate the movie, I suppose. So to Jocko's credit, he actually remembers to grab his ID badge before he strolls out into the mall to his almost certain death. He's been, by the way, he's been chewing gum this entire time. Like, from first frame we saw him until right now. And he's not just chewing the gum, he's, he's smacking it. Like, I actually, I wrote right here on the screen, I'm pointing my finger and it says, I wrote stage directions for me here to make smacking noises, alright? He just, I'm going to choose to believe he's literally been chewing the same piece of gum this whole time. Through the drinking, the food, the oral sex he performed, the entire time just, which proves that even dumb big guys can do things like walk and chew gum at the same time. Way to break through stereotypes, Brennan. I applaud you, sir. So, he scoffs at the buck and quarter that the pack of cigarettes are, because he makes it to the vending machine, just fine, walking around shirtless, through the mall, and he gets there and he's like, buck and a quarter for cigarettes. And I don't know if any of my listeners smoke. I mean, if so, let's be honest. You'd literally murder a newborn baby in front of its mother to get cigarettes that cheap again, wouldn't you? I mean, okay, maybe not quite that far, but still, right? A buck twenty-five for a pack of cigarettes? And... And these aren't, like, shitty cigarettes, either. I, I don't remember what brand she said, but they're not the shittiest brand. They're they're a normal brand. Buck 25. That's crazy. So, he's sure he thinks he hears someone behind him. So he starts looking around, convinced it's Leslie. But, you know, you know, I know, we all know, everybody but Brandon knows, is not Leslie, is gonna be one of the killer robots. Which means it's either completely silent with its fucking tank treads, or he hears tank treads and thinks it's his girlfriend. I don't know which is worse, honestly. But then the phone bank that's just behind him starts ringing, and some guy named Jamal wants to know if there's any messages for him, and he's like, no, Jamal, there's no messages for you. And that literally, that happened. What the actual fuck just happened? I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> that's fucking weird. Okay, moving on. So, oh, Killer Robot makes itself known by asking for the ID badge, and Brennan says, Jeez, you little bastards are quiet. As it moves less than one foot away, insanely loud, just like tank trade. No, they're not quiet, Brennan. The hell is going on with sound bubbles in horror movies? Like, first Slumber Party Massacre, now this. Just fuck physics. I, I mean, I know you have to fuck physics for, for good movies sometimes, but, whew, this is crazy. He shows his badge, and the robot puts up its claws in the air in some sort of weird, like, dance party movie move, and closes in on Brennan, who promptly tries to run and gets a sleep dart in the ass, and then has his neck clamped down on, likely killing him, don't know yet, but probably, so that's four deaths now, none of whom were chopped. I am getting upset about that. Back to Leslie, she's needing her nicotine fit and decides to go out in the mall. Surely this won't result in her dying but it will result in multiple close-ups of her ass barely covered by the panties, because, gotta do that. Oh, hey, there's a Playboy logo on it. I wonder if anybody actually paid for that to happen. Like, if they had to pay to use the Playboy logo, or if Playboy paid to have the logo in them, I don't know. I'm just, these weird copyright rules that I'm kind of curious about. So, Leslie finds Brennan by literally tripping over his corpse, which she thinks is just him sleeping, until she sees his neck sliced open, and then runs around screaming while a killbot chases her, firing neon pink lasers at her like crazy. Just doo, 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 doo. And those are probably actually slightly better laser noises than you would have heard in the movie. One nicks her barely, which kind of just looks like a tiny little bullet hole in her back. But what makes me pause and question this 
is that it is shot dozens of times, and they all miss. And first of all, she's running in an almost straight line, and this thing is, is a killing machine, and it misses over a dozen times. And those missing shots, where do they go? Like, I see nothing else getting damaged. Can the robots alter their laser firing pattern so it only affects human tissue and clothes? Like, this is more troubling than the bullet technology in Westworld. Yeah, I just went there. Also, Westworld, great show. Go watch it. After this, don't pause this and keep listening now. Leslie keeps going after taking a shot in the ass and ends up in front of the furniture store where everyone gets to see her gunned down, sorry, lasered down by the robot who, okay, wow. So she she got tagged by the laser twice, once in the back, once in the ass. Both times it was a tiny bullet hole size little mark, you know, like it, it didn't look that bad, honestly. And then it hits her in the face and her whole head explodes a la scanners, flinging blood all over the furniture store windows to the horror of her friends. How the hell did the laser not explode her whole torso the first shot? And even more importantly, the only good janitor earlier got electrocuted, so who the fuck's gonna clean up this mess? And also, she was not chopped to death. This is troublesome. Second killbot shows up, and they both start shooting lasers to break the glass, and then start firing lasers indiscriminately throughout the store at these six people, none of which hit anybody, but at least this time the store gets blasted apart, so collateral damage is finally a thing. But seriously, Michael J. Fox would have better aim than these robots. I feel a little bad about that joke. Eh. They run into a storage room where they start piling what looks like empty cardboard boxes against the door because, yeah, that'll hold them. Whatever. So they start talking about escaping when the steel doors shut, trapping them in the mall. Dun, dun, dun! Remember I said that was going to be important? There we go. Ferdy tries the phone, but it doesn't work because it's dead because the computer must have taken control. That makes sense. So it's not the robots killing everybody, it's the computer ki- I don't- I don't know. We're gonna say it makes sense, because if we pause and try to deconstruct that one aspect, we'll die. We will die of boredom, eventually. Yeah. So that makes sense. Allison notices there's an air duct, and Ferdy says that they should be able to use that to get to the parking level, and then they can escape from there. So that whole thing about the mall actually being escape-proof when it gets shut down, that gets, like, totally blown out the window in less than 30 seconds into it. And so the security firm who installed the steel doors and the killer robots, just, they need to be called Incomputech, you know, instead of security. I, sorry, I, I don't have great material to work here with, guys. So the robots put gel on the door hinges and use their tasers to ignite the gel, which explodes the doors open, because why the fuck did they give non-lethal robots basically what amounts to C4? Okay. So the girls get into the air duct, but the guys instead get chased down another hallway by the robots. Why didn't they just run down this hallway in the first place? Like... Like, they're trying to figure out a way to escape, and they go, there's the air ducts, instead of going, there's a giant hallway behind us that we can run down. Okay, whatever. So, one of the guys gets tagged in the shoulder by a laser, but, you know, it doesn't explode his entire torso because his shoulder's made out of a completely different material than Leslie's head. I guess. I don't know. So, the robots seem to have turned the heat on in the past two seconds since the girls entered the ducts. What? Yep, yeah, nope, that, that happened. Okay, so Susie starts freaking the fuck out, and, you know, not that I blame her. So... And, uh, oh, Greg. Greg was the one who got shoulder tagged. So Rick thinks defense and wants to get to the sporting goods store 
which normally wouldn't be a bad idea, but you're not fighting some random dudes. You're fighting robots who literally just pulled C4 out of their ass and blew open a door after exploding your friend's head with a laser. I don't think football pads are going to help, Rick. Oh. Oh, never mind. It's not, it's not that kind of a sporting goods store. Uh, less than 10 feet into the store, there's an actual rack of shotguns just out in the open, not behind any glass or anything. I'm kind of surprised there's not a fucking cotton candy machine right next to it this, with a sign that says, Free cotton candy for any kids who want to touch the guns! And, and, oh shit, one of them has a fucking assault rifle! Like, apparently, sporting goods stores did not fuck around in the 80s. At all! Alright, so Greg's got the shotgun. Rick's got the rifle, and Ferdy grabbed a pistol. Dude, come on. Ugh. He also did grab a propane tank, which I bet will explode when it's shot, which is not how those work, by the way, at all. Thanks to Burn Notice, I do know how to make a propane tank explode, though. Love that show. They have great things like that. So I wish I could show you guys the frame I paused on whenever I had to make a comment about how stupidly they're walking, because they're trying to walk in an attempt to look super badass, and I paused it to write this, but I paused it perfectly. Rick is looking around like, where are these robots? I'm gonna fucking kill them. Ferdy is looking around like, I wonder if I'm gonna get in trouble for stealing a gun. And Greg is looking down at Ferdy's hands like, did this motherfucker really only grab a pistol? Yeah, so if I, if I do an idea that a friend of mine had, hey Jason, about putting uh, these episodes on YouTube with a few slides as a video placeholder, I will definitely use this image as one of the slides so you can all enjoy the awfulness of it. So uh, for my own benefit and for everyone else who, you know, might be watching this movie and wants to see this, this perfect moment of what? 39 minutes, 6 seconds in, just in case you're wondering. So, Greg questions Ferdy's ability to fire a gun, and Ferdy assures him that since he watched Dirty Harry like a couple dozen times, he's gonna be fine, and then immediately winces when Rick fires his gun a couple of times to get the robot's attention. So, yeah, no, I'm sure you're gonna do fine with that gun. So, they instantly hear one of the robots rolling up on them, which is odd considering I thought these little things could be silent little bastards. Whatever. They start firing at it. Greg actually shoots his gun the right way. Like, shoulder, you know, like, full-on aiming, actually firing correctly. Ferdy almost does, but kind of holds the gun a little weird. He's got his hand outstretched. It's it's all, it's it's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. And then Rick just starts firing like a complete fucking tool. I, I'm betting Rick dies because he can't be bothered to fire a gun the right way, so he probably can't be bothered to live through the movie the right way either. Like, he is hip-firing just, that's not... If you're trying to lay down a cover fire, that's still not even how you do it, you know? And I'm not a gun nut, but I'm not an idiot either, so... Oh, well. Uh, so they stand their ground as all of their bullets just bounce right off the robots, which is stupid. They just stand in place while their weapons have no effect, and the robot fires lasers at them, and again, misses horribly. And, and this is, again, they're not moving, and this is a robot that can't hit shit with lasers. I have so many problems with this. So many. So when the robot is less than 20 feet away, they finally decide to take cover, but continue to waste their ammo. But then Ferdy manages to throw the propane tank, and uh, Rick blows it up, and maybe the robot died. Maybe not. We don't know, because we cut back to the girls, who are still in the air ducts. And, oh, uh, no, sorry, back to the guys. Smoke is clearing. It's on his side, but it looks disabled. Uh, we're going to call that a win for now. So Susie decides that the ducks are fucked, and 
kicks her way out into a store while the guys gloat a bit over their kill before realizing, oh yeah, there's two more of these things. We probably need to go grab some more propane tanks. And it wasn't just Susie who decided to leave the ducks. They all left the ducks. Yay for stupidity, right? Ah. Susie justifies her escaping the vents because the guys could be hurt. Well, yeah, and now you all could be hurt too, dumbass. Somehow the other robots weren't immediately drawn to the gunshots and explosion, and we see one just wandering around before backing itself into an alcove to hide. Wow. Just... Wow. So the guys are prying open an elevator, for some reason, don't know yet, and Ferdy wonders if the robots can read their minds, and now I'm wondering if anybody dosed Ferdy with some acid or something, because why the fuck would robots be able to read your mind? Like... Unless the lightning gave them telepathic powers. Which, you know what? That makes as much sense as anything else. So never mind. Yeah, my bad, Ferdy. Fuck it. They can read your mind. Woo! Mind-reading robots. Mind-reading murder bots. Yeah. So the girls are making some Molotov cocktails out of gasoline cans in the motor supply shop they ended up in. And Allison grabs some fireworks because, hey, free fireworks. Also, hey, let's keep fireworks around the gasoline display in the car store. Oh my god, this mall is insane. This, this this mall is crazy. So, uh-oh, Killbot 1 that was down for the count. It uses its claw arms to right itself and is now back on the prowl. So the guys are rigging some sort of propane tank trap with the elevator. That's what they're doing. Not really clear what the plan is, but they got a plan. Heidi Robot notices that the girls are, are walking around and starts up, you know, running at them and the girls are screaming and the guys hear the screaming and the girls take cover instantly behind some huge potted plants making them now smarter than the guys and toss a molotov cocktail at the robot which i mean hey that's not a terrible plan but they don't actually hit the robot they hit in front of the robot and it just rolls through the flames because you know it's just some fire on the floor and it's a robot it kind of kind of can just go through those pretty easily it doesn't have flesh you know maybe if you'd actually hit the robot with the molotov cocktail it could fry its circuits or something, but anyways, I don't know. So just the floor, good job, yeah. So less than 10 feet away, and the girls are running, and it still can't hit shit. Like, they still can't hit anything, just lasers, everywhere, 10 feet away, can't hit anything. Oh wait, nope, never mind, Susie got hit in the leg, yay! And she goes down, and the killbot shoots the gas can she's holding, causing a huge explosion, killing her, but not instantly, because now she's just on fire. It was a massive explosion, and she was holding it in her hand right next to her head, but instead of, you know, not having a hand and a head anymore, she's just on fire, and now she's crawling around and burning, and she stands back up, which is weird, considering she couldn't stand a moment ago, because, you know, laser wound in the leg, but uh, and now she fell back down, and she's dead. Okay, and the guys arrive in time to see her die. Greg, you know, kind of has an understandable, you know, emotional moment. But again, bullets don't do shit, so they all decide that running would be the best option. And again, the robots can't hit shit with their lasers. Seriously, the guy's running away at full speed from these robots, firing from the hip behind them, have better aim than the robots. Ugh. Rick runs to the elevator. I, I, I'm guessing this is part of the trap that they laid. Yeah, okay, it looks like it. Robot, one of the robots, enters the elevator, and Rick has climbed up through the hatch at the top of the elevator and is rigging it to explode, maybe, I'm guessing? No, no, okay, he didn't rig it to explode. He just has propane tanks on it, and he jumps off, and the guys and the girls start shooting at the tanks, and, yep, that causes the elevator to drop, and then I guess it probably kills the robot. We don't actually know, but, yeah, it looks like it. And, oh, hey, 
Allison got the shot. She's the one that actually blew up the tank. And then they're like, oh, hey, nice shot. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, my dad's a Marine. And that, that makes me pause because her character in Night of the Comet named Samantha. Damn it. I was hoping this was this whole chopping mall thing took place in the post-Comet world somehow. Because, you know, their dad in Night of the Comet was like a uh, special forces guy who taught them how to shoot. Anyways, that would have been some crazy awesome crossover. That would have been hilarious. But that's not what happened. So the gang holds up in, a, in the pizza joint where, where Allison and Susie work. Well, Susie worked. You know, she's dead now. And, uh, Allison, uh, you know, they're chilling out, they're drinking beer, uh, cause, you know, what else are you gonna do when killer robots are trying to murder you other than sit around in a pizza joint and, uh, drink beer? But again, this, this kind of proves a long, ongoing point that I've been making in several of these films, which is pizza. Yeah. I mean, pizza. So, they're talking about how much money they're gonna be indebted to the mall now because of, uh, how much damage they've been doing, and wait... Are they really talking? Yep, they're really talking about that. Although, you know, they did stay in the malls after hour illegally, so I guess this is kind of on them. Greg is understandably upset about the girls leaving the air duct, and then, for some reason, points his shotgun at Ferdy for telling him to stop yelling at, you know, insanely loud volume, because not like they need to be quiet or anything. It's not like there are killer robots trying to find him and murder them. So, okay. Yeah, that, that's a normal reaction. Greg wants to go hunt down Killbot number three. But Ferdy has an idea. See, the master computer is up top. So if they can go shut that down, then it'll shut down the robots. It makes perfect sense. So now they're on the attack. Hyper techno music plays while they run around like crazy people, screaming at Greg, who's really far ahead of them. Like, he just took off running, just like, Rawr! like he's just gonna go kill crazy Rampage on everything. And he gets to the top of an escalator, and get, he's like, oh, I know, it's all clear! And then as soon as he says that, the robot grabs him and throws him over the ledge. I don't know how far he falls, but it's pretty far down, it's several floors. So, dumbass Greg's dead. So, there we go, Greg's dead now, too. Uh, and then they see the first Killbot isn't dead after all, and now they're like, ah, shit, we still got two to worry about, these guys aren't as easy to kill as we thought. You know, a general malaise kind of falls over the... Cr oh, wait, no, sorry, there's other things to do. So, they manage to roll into another store, and they, they... I mean that literally. It's got those metal sliding door things that go up, and I honestly can't remember what those kind of doors are called, and I don't feel like looking it up right now. So, yeah, those metal slidey uppy-down doors. Yeah, those, uh, they, they manage to barely lift it up just enough to roll under, and uh, Rick sabotages the chain that lifts the door on the other side, because that'll stop the robots that carry explosives. <sighs> and the robots start cutting through the door with slow-moving James Bond villain lasers. Like, they have shot through everything. They have exploded human heads with their regular fucking lasers, and they're just doing the very slow, like, I'm cutting a very tiny hole in this door so we can roll through. It, it makes no sense. I, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sorry. My head hurts now. This is terrible. Oh, so bad. But isn't it so wonderful how bad it is? It is. So, the remaining gang run around in the store. The, this particular store takes up two floors. So, they run up to the, the, the higher floor and start talking about splitting up because... Oh, God. I mean, splitting up is always a good idea, right? And that, that suggestion sets off a firestorm of horrible acting. I mean, uh, emotions. A firestorm of emotions. Horrible acting. So, oh, and Allison got shot in the arm on the way in whenever they were sliding under the door. 
I, I guess that really wasn't a head-sploding laser then, because she, she's basically okay. They just, like, wrap a little bandage around it, and it's fine. So they decided to just camp out in the store because they're safe for now. One of the robots finally manages to cut through the door, and the gang decide, hey, they want targets. We're going to give them targets. So they use all the mannequins in the store to confuse the robots, who manage to actually shoot the mannequins just fine, while the girls run away. Seriously, okay. The mannequins are lined up, and, and and the robots are hitting the mannequins, no problem. Like, just left and right, pew, 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 mannequin down, mannequin down, mannequin down. And there's two guys, the two remaining guys, are standing amongst the mannequins, firing guns at the robots, and the robots just shoot the mannequins. And again, they shoot the mannequins with perfect accuracy, and, and don't shoot the, the... This, oh god... Yep. Oh, so many problems. So, so what do the guys do then? They pull curtains off of something that they'd been hiding behind them. What did they hide behind them? Mirrors! Which totally reflect laser beams? Back at, yep, nope, it totally reflects the laser beams back at the robot. And the robot, who can't hit shit, manages to hit the mirror in the exact right way that the laser beam bounces back and hits itself. So now there's an electrical current firing through it, and it's just spinning around in a circle, firing lasers in every direction. Okay, sure, that makes sense. So Allison and Ferdy are running because they're not total morons at this point, while Rick just stands there and keeps firing his shotgun that he's got now. And Linda stops running to stand in one spot. Again, lasers firing all around everywhere so she stops to turn around and tell rick to be careful and then predictably gets shot in the gut because why the fuck would you stand still to tell rick to be careful you dumb bitch like did he not know he was supposed to be careful in the first place there's a malfunctioning Okay, so the robot is already malfunctioning because it's not supposed to be a killbot, but it's a killbot. But the killbot is malfunctioning on top of the other malfunction and is spinning around firing lasers in every direction. She's like, you need to be careful. What? Oh, thanks. I thought I was going to go up and give it a hug. I'm glad you said something. Oh. Oh. So she was pretty much asking for it, honestly. Just, I mean, you can't stop in the middle of that laser firing and expect to not get hit with lasers. So Rick, you know, hops up on a little mall golf cart that was right there, okay, and yells, you son of a bitch, while crashing it at low speed into the robot. Like, it, he, got up, he got up to maybe, like, two miles an hour, and somehow, whenever he crashes into this robot with this little shitty golf cart, it transfers all the electricity over into the golf cart, which kills Rick, and then that surge of electricity somehow makes the robot explode, because at this point, the laws of physics are just fucked. So, okay. Allison and Ferdy, the only two people who didn't have sex, by the way, are still alive. I'm sure there's no correlation there. And need to go to the computer to do hacker shit. But they split up because that's always the best idea possible in a horror movie. So Allison is walking down a hallway when wires fall from the ceiling on jump scare. Did I scare you? Did the wires scare you? They were supposed to scare you. Ooh wires so she then sees a door creak open in front of her and grabs a random pipe because this is the junk area of them all and they're just random metal pipes that she can grab and the door falls open to reveal a shit ton of trash again this is the junk area of them all so this is also where they keep all the jump scares apparently ferdy is walking down a long narrow hallway 
because I don't actually know why. And suddenly, Allison feels a claw at her back and turns around and it's a killbot! Okay, so like, it literally reached out to touch her with a claw instead of just firing its fucking laser right in her back. Like, these killbots switch between masterful killers and idiotic piles of junk at random. It's kind of mildly infuriating. So Ferdy jumps into action as the robot closes in on Allison, inches away from her, still not shooting her with laser beams because why? I don't know. It turns around to confront Ferdy, who shoots it, because that's worked so far, but he shoots it where the lasers come out. A, a, a big red piece of plastic that goes across the whole robot's head, and each one has been shot with hundreds of rounds of ammunition at this point. And... But this one bullet just now hits in that spot and it causes the robot's laser to malfunction. Well, you know what, Killbot? You get no sympathy from me because it wasn't malfunctioning a few seconds ago. You could have just killed Allison and then turned around and been like, pew, pew, pew at Ferdy. But you didn't. You blew it. So no sympathy. Bad Killbot. Bad. So does it claw Allison to death, you know, because it has her trapped? Nope. It starts chasing Ferdy because it's as idiotic as Brennan was. Ferdy tosses a fire extinguisher at it to no effect. I don't know. And it picks up the fire extinguisher and throws it back at him, hitting him square in the chest. And he flies backwards. And now his head has blood pouring out the back of it. And it looks dead. He looks dead because how the fuck the extinguisher hits his chest, and he falls backward onto a tile floor, and that's what kills him. Lamest death in the movie goes to Ferdy. Also, can we take a moment to appreciate that these robots can't hit shit with their laser beams, but it had perfect fucking accuracy chucking a fire extinguisher at somebody. Oh my god. All right. Allison runs and breaks into another store, uh, looks like a pet store. Yep. Uh, they better not fucking kill these fuzzy animals, or I'm gonna be pissed. I hate whenever they kill animals in movies. No reason for it. So, she hides under some dog food bags, while the robot starts knocking over some glass containers with, I don't know, I'm assuming there's probably some bugs in it, scorpions, snakes, something like that, I don't know. And, okay, she's not actually hidden at all. Like, we can see about 75% of her clearly, but suddenly the killbot has lost the ability to see. I guess, I don't know, maybe that was tied to its laser beams. Maybe that's why they couldn't hit anything with the lasers, because when they're firing lasers, they can't see. So it's like, it'd be like Cyclops only being able to fire his lasers when his eyes are closed. That's why he couldn't hit anything. That, I'm trying to apply some sort of logic to it. I don't know if that's a good idea, a bad idea, but that's, that's what I'm saying from now on. That's why the robots had shitty aim, because they had to close their, their eyes to fire the laser. So, I don't know, now that he can't use his lasers, his eyes are also broken. And that's why he can't see someone two feet away that is almost completely visible. Yeah. That's what we're going to go with. So, oh yeah, no, it was spiders and snakes because, you know, where would you instantly be drawn to if you were a spider or a snake and there was a giant robot that just knocked over your glass cage? Right. Right in front of the robot. You wouldn't run away from the robot at all. You'd run right in front of that robot onto the person. That's what you would do. So, yeah, it makes sense. So, Killbot gives up, rolls away, Wait, seriously? Yeah. He just gives up and rolls away. I kind of feel cheated. There should have been some, some, like, I don't, like, I was expecting her to be like, Oh my god, I have spiders on me! Ah! Or like, holy fuck! 
fucking shit, there's a snake that's gonna eat my face! And then, you know, the robot's like, ah, intruder! I don't know. Like, I was expecting something like that, but nope, nope. So, she gets up, and she starts wandering around the pet store, and then a fucking cat jumps out of nowhere, and that makes her scream. And that's when the killbot is like, oh, there's somebody in the pet store! I, I don't feel cheated anymore. I just feel insulted. Honestly. <laughs> so she runs out of the store and is being chased through the mall and hangs off a ledge so that the killbot doesn't see her. And of course it doesn't notice her hands because, as was previously mentioned, it can't see very well anymore because laser. I don't know. So, because remember, it lost the ability to perceive better than a blind, you know, coma patient. So she loses her grip, predictably, and falls pretty far. But she lands on, like, a big old awning, so that somehow saves her. But she screamed while falling, so, you know, the killbot's like, uh, she's somewhere on that floor, but it doesn't know where, because fuck you, audience. So she starts crawling. I, I guess her leg was hurt in the fall. I don't know. So towards a paint store. And she breaks the glass to get in. Face first, by the way. Like, I don't, you know, there's pipes and fire extinguishers and shit all over the place. You know, she fell onto an awning into like a display of some kind so how does she break the glass to get in the paint store she puts her arms over her face and jumps through the window face first does she get glass everywhere all over nope she's fine no only only scratch she has on her is from the laser earlier that you know didn't explode her so whatever she starts uh dumping paint and paint thinner everywhere and it's a lot like cans and cans of this she's just dumping out I'm pretty sure she'd actually just be dead from the fumes at this point. I don't know. But uh, she gets Killbot's attention, and it rolls into the store, and it rolls right onto the paint, and then it can't move very well because, as we all know, the most effective way to render tank treads useless is with paint. I think. They could have just been using paint. Hell, they could have just poured water all over the place, and the, I, I guess that probably would have worked as well, and the Killbots would have been like, we can't walk on... Water, tank treads, bah, I don't know. So, alright, whatever. Oh, hey, you remember that firework that she grabbed earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I remembered it too. Well, she tosses it in and, uh, you know, lights it and, like, throws it at the paint. And it makes the whole fucking paint store just explode. Like, and it does the slow motion explosion. So it doesn't just explode once. It explodes, like, four or five times. Like, just slow motion. You know, it just does that, like, four or five fucking times. And she's like 10, maybe 15 away, like 15 feet away from the storefront as this just like massive fireball consumes all. So of course she's got to die from the flying glass, the metal, everything, you know, it all had to hit her. No, no, she's fine. It's, uh, she's, she's great. Okay. So the killbot looks fairly fucked. So there's that. So she starts limping, crawling away. I don't know. I get the feeling we're maybe about to be treated to one of the killbots having survived. Oh, no, 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 no. Not the killbot, it's Ferdy! Ferdy survived, and he has a roll of toilet paper against the back of his head, and it is soaked all the way through with blood. But he's just fine! Like, I wonder how much of that whole last part he was awake for, but was like, man, if that robot thinks I'm dead, fuck it, I'm just gonna sit here for a little while. So, I don't know. She doesn't have that thought, though. Apparently it's just me. So she runs to hug him. You know, will they have to pay for the damages they caused, though? Will she ever realize he sort of just kind of wussed out at the end and, you know, kind of just hid? I don't know. W why did they call this movie Chopping Mall when literally no one at all was chopped to death? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, considering that's it. That's the end of the movie. 
Well, that was this week's episode of Horror 4H. I hope you enjoyed the awful hilarity that was Chopping Mall, even a fraction as much as I did. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode even a little bit, then big thanks to my friend Mike, who suggested it last week. See, if you suggest something and I like the suggestion, I will use it and I will credit you. And that's not into the shoutouts, by the way. Depending on when I managed to upload this, either today or yesterday is or was Australia Day. So big hi to Kingsley and his lovely wife, Britters, her great kids and their kid that's on the way. He actually moved here to the States for love, and it's awesome. So big thanks for giving this country a chance, and I hope you enjoyed slash are enjoying your Australia Day. And in honor of Aussie Day, I'd like to mention a couple Australian horror films that I actually enjoyed and likely will never feature on the show because they're good. The Tunnel, a 2011 flick, documentary style, that was actually damn good. I watched it expecting a total crap fest, and instead was pleasantly surprised by a good movie. And a little thing from 1981 entitled Allison's Birthday, which I watched for the first time this week. And I was hoping to find next week's entry into Horror 4H, but instead was treated to a movie that, despite all of its 80s flaws, managed to be kind of entertaining and had a somewhat twist ending that I didn't actually expect for most of the film. And that's kind of rare for me. So here's to Australia sending us good people and good horror. We appreciate it. So back to all of you, though. Again, I, I want to hear from you. Tweet me your favorite bad horror movies. Tweet me what you what got you into horror in the first place. Email me. Tell me what YouTube channels you enjoy that pertain to the weird, creepy, and macabre. Like, when I'm not watching bad horror, I like to get lost down YouTube holes about true crime, paranormal documentaries... Any and everything about serial killers, all that creepy shit. I love it. Special mention to one of my the few channels I've ever actually clicked on the subscribe button for, uh, Kaylee Elise. If you hop onto YouTube and search for Dark Matters, I believe you can easily find her that way. She's hilarious, quirky, has a very good voice, and a solid narration style that I've come to appreciate greatly the more that I listen to others who just, they, they aren't that great at narration. So her channel covers missing person cases, maybe you can give insight to, uh, fun stories from her subscribers about their weird experiences with paranormal, interesting story about cryptids from across the world, especially the Wendigo, that's her favorite. So go give her a listen, subscribe to her, leave her some comments, she does solid work. And again, tell me what horror and creepy shit you listen to. I'm always wanting to consume more weird shit. I love it. So last plug, check out the Twitter feed. I started something last week and I'm going to try to continue it. Uh, once I figure out what movie I'm going to riff on next, I will start tweeting out hints, and the first person to guess which movie it's going to be correctly gets the satisfaction of guessing correctly. I know, it's a really shitty prize. So I'll mention you on the episode, though, and your smartness. So if nothing else, you get that. So that's it for this episode of Horror 4H. I look forward to hearing from you all, and I can't wait to do this again next week. Take care, everyone.